Hey everybody, before we get started, make sure you subscribe to Dave's podcast, Goodbye Mellow Brick Road. That's Goodbye Mellow Brick Road. How much is it to request a movie? Five dollars. You're dreaming. This is <laughs> Patreon Request Spoilers. He's dreaming. Tell him he's dreaming. Tell him he's dreaming. Yeah. Dreaming. Everybody, it's a, I don't know, it's a, it's a skeleton that was crew. Good. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was unsure. That, 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 that was really good. I like that. I wanted to like Harlem Globetrotters that pass the ball a little bit around on that <laughs> spoiler. But uh, we have a skeleton crew. You heard the voice of Stevie. Uh, this is a very special occasion because the person who commissioned this episode, Dave, you didn't have to do this. We already loved you 100%. It was an incredibly <laughs> kind gesture for you to become a patron. Thank you and, and welcome back to Spoilers. How, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm just, I'm basking, you know, it's my first ever Patreon, so it's a good experience. I got to unlock some uh, some really coveted territory here, I feel. It's a huge honor for us to have you on. It's a huge honor to have anyone as a patron. But like I said, you're one of the one of the kindest people I know and one of the, our favorite guests on the podcast. You appeared on the Lovecraft Country episodes and the animated Mulan, if I'm not mistaken. Is it's that a hat correct? trick now. It's one of the most <laughs> prolific guests. Stevie, uh, you're also on the podcast tonight. Uh, What's happening? Be honest with Dave. What was your reaction when the Trello card updated for episodes we need to record and it was the I castle? I was so confused. <laughs> I thought Dave picked this like PBS like straight-to-TV movie. I had no idea uh, what this... I never even heard of it. And I wasn't like thrilled about it because I was like, this movie's probably gonna be really weird or bad. It ended up being amazing. <laughs> so yes. there's to me for judging a book by its cover. Spoiler alert on your yes or no. Uh, but Dave, <laughs> as part of being a real human being, which you are uh, at the tier, not all real human beings get to come on spoilers, by the way, but <laughs> you're a close friend of ours. So you are entitled to an opening question. Do you have something... Uh, I, what, I guess you'll have to answer it yourself, by the way, uh, since you're one of the hosts. But, but what would you like to ask us? Um, I mean, the question that I've brought to the table is, and I just gotta, I'm going to be really super duper clear here. It's not the best Matt Damon movie. It's the mm. best Matt Damon performance. And for me, in terms of Matt Damon performances, I got to go with The Martian, which was almost what I picked for this endeavor. Ooh, I'm so glad you didn't because I've only saw I've only seen The Martian once and I didn't love it. But I that's an understatement. I, okay, I was a li- I was a little <laughs> disappointed at the time. But I'll say this: that we, we became friends basically via Letterboxd. So like, and I trust your opinion very closely. Maybe it's one worth revisiting. I definitely won't say The Martian, and I won't be. I'll try not to be too basic. I'll say he. As he play, who does he play? Thor in Thor Ragnarok and the play in Thor Ragnarok. Or which character does he play? Loki. Loki. He plays Loki. At, he, he, Matt Damon as Loki in the play within a play in uh, <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Uh, the cameo Stevie? king. The cameo king. Oh man! Well, I can't say Team America World Police. I don't believe that was him voicing Matt Damon. Um, man. Oh man. You know what the weirdest thing is? Hmm. Like, 
trying to think here. Outside of Goodwill, there's not Matt Damon doesn't have a ton of iconic roles. I'm trying to think here. My favorite Matt Damon performance. Isn't that Departed an iconic role? Like if we're Ooh, that is a good one. I mean, hmm. Goodwill is so far, by far and away, his most iconic. And then probably The Martian. Or Born. He's big yeah, in Born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. From Ocean. So, I will say, not my favorite performance, but I'll say my favorite cameo or whatever. It's not Interstellar. It's definitely Euro Trip when he plays the lead <laughs> singer for Scotty Doesn't Know. So, that's my absolute favorite, because I... It's so weird to see him in that role, and I'm so happy he did it. So, lead singer for Scotty doesn't know. Wow, I love it. Well done, Stevie. I like the deep, deep pull. Uh, you have it's a... yeah, not a lot of people know That's that. That's niche, Damon. <laughs> yep. Well, we're we're all based out of North America uh, tonight. You mentioned Europe, but we're headed down to Australia, Dave. I'm so glad that you're here to provide that the context. How did you come across this movie, The Castle? So, my best friend in the entire world. Um, your Stevie is, to me? Like, your it's, <laughs> it's a three way tie um, between her and you two, obviously. Oh, no, no, I meant like, like, the, like this analogy, like uh, this person is to you as Stevie is to me. I meant. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Pat. That means a lot. But I do consider you one of my best friends. <laughs> I, that was. I'm touched it's, by that. You know, it's, there's like the, it's like the Mindy Kaling quote it's a tear, not a title. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely but yeah she um i went down under uh almost two years ago now to visit her spend a couple weeks there see watch the game of thrones series finale together that's what we were crushing on uh, they have a channel down in australia that just like crushes thrones constantly all week long and they loop the finale forever um what an experience for sure and uh, I visited another friend down there. She took me to see The Hustle with Anne Hathaway. And I was like, this is awful. This is a terrible movie. So my other Australian friend was like, don't worry. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to show you the greatest Australian movie ever made. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And she said it was The Castle. So I was p- picturing like this sort of like, like a Australian kind of, I don't know. I don't know what I was picturing because there's not really many famous Australian wars, but I was picturing a war epic sort of like in Macbeth Shakespearean times. And then... Sure enough, it's not that at all. It's just this, like, you know, uh, lower middle class Australian bogan family. And I was watching it on her couch, you know, feeling the emotion of having to leave the next day, but just watching this super uh, Australian movie and just laughing throughout the whole thing, finding it super wholesome and charming. And after the flight, the 15 hour flight home, when that landed, I was walking through the airport. And the first thing I thought about when I was missing Australia, I was like, you know, the castle, I think that legit might be one of the 10 greatest comedies ever made. A bold statement. You know, I might be pretty close. I I got a lot of like almost spinal tap vibes in my love Mm. for it. You know what I mean? Like in kind of even the, the filmmaking itself. It's funny. I, I also saw, a movie when I was in Australia. It was it was my last night in Australia and I watched Rogue One and I just flew home so disappointed the next day. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was a terrible, terrible movie, right, Stevie? Why do you sit on that? You've been waiting on that all day. You've just been sitting and seething to say that. <laughs> well, Stevie, I know you love this movie as much as I do. Let's. I, we, it's just the three of us. It's like a Stevie Pappy episode plus Dave, which I'm super excited well, speaking about. speaking of... Yeah. Spinal Tap vibes. I got a ton of Arrested Development vibes. <laughs> I like. I would be hard pressed if the writers or producers hadn't seen this movie when they were making Arrested Development. There's so many direct links to it. 
like uh, in terms of the just land I, the narr- the, going from narrator to like to actual story. Oh yeah, like you know we would say like you know say Ron Howard would be like, Job wasn't happy about that. And it cut to Job. He'd be like, I'm not happy about this. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of the same joke with, you know, he would repeat everything the dad would say immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, that joke lines up perfectly. The lawyer. Yes. <laughs> the lawyer's Barry one of my favorite <laughs> What's the, God, what's the lawyer's name? I'm trying to find it. Am I Dennis? Uh, Dennis. Dennis Denudo. He's just swearing at his copier. Incessantly. <laughs> 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 fucking kidding me. Cleared that tray three fucking times! Mr. Denuto. Yeah? Ron Graham, Hammersley and Lakehawk got your note during the week. Oh, uh, yeah. You mentioned the dad. I want to start, I guess, Stevie, there might be a, a contingency of spoilers fans who listen to every episode whether or not they've seen the movie. We get a lot of feedback on people like, oh, I only like to listen to the episodes on, on movies that I've seen, which is great. But on the off chance that this, you're not a fan of The Castle, but you are a fan of spoilers you mentioned Arrested Development. How would you describe the castle to someone who hadn't seen it? Dave mentioned middle, lower middle class Australian family, but but what would what is someone getting into when they pop this on? Man, it's I kind of brought this up to you last night. Logan Lucky, because I watched it again for the hundredth time last night, is a movie that makes me smile the entire time I'm watching it, and. I felt that way about this movie. I was smi- it's a very charming mm-hmm. like movie that's very easy to relate to because it's really based around family and like pretty much what's important in life with a very anti-government staunch staunch outlook about what <laughs> you should be able to own and not own. So that's that's the way I kind of looked at it. Is it staunch or is it just anti, like, because it's also anti-big corporation too, right? I mean, like, when it's, like, eminent domain or what do they call it here? Compulsory acquisition of, like, compulsory acquisition (laughs) of, like, an old person's house. Like, I think regardless of where you fall on the political compass, like, no one wants to see, like, eminent domain on an old person's house. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot of love between the characters. Uh Dale Kerrigan is our narrator. My name is Dale Kerrigan, and this is my story. You like the narrator, right, Stevie? It's an interesting choice because the whole movie is couched in him, but he's not necessarily one of the most fleshed-out characters. That's what I actually enjoyed about his narration. It wasn't like Henry Hill in Goodfellas where he's in every single scene. This is very in and out much more focused on his actual family than his actual self, which was kind of a nice way to see this movie. And he sets us up at three Highview Crescent Coolaroo. Uh Dave, do you want to tell <laughs> us about the, uh, the aforementioned, the titular castle? Um, it's almost a character in and of itself in this movie. Well, I mean, it's taken right from the top. Like it, we enter, it's like the first thing we see is that Melbourne airport. Um, and, how he got it? He got the house as a steal because it was right next to the airport. You know, locations, everything. Right next door to the <laughs> airport. It is on the runway, basically. And it makes it super easy when the sister comes back. You know, from Bangkok, they can just—it's a quick walk home. And he says the house is the house is worth almost as much uh, today as when they bought it. Um, right next to some power lines too. You know, 
uh, reminder <laughs> of man's ability to generate electricity because dad was always saying things like that. It's just a great, you know, the man's home is his castle. And by the end of it, you know, it's got this sort of Victorian feel to it, but also these big iron gates. And then, of course, the little patio. It just really rounds out the, because it gives it more of a Grecian feel. It's like a sort of a, there's an air of authenticity to the house that they come up with at the end of it. It's the same house, but it's got a lot of adornments to it. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things of the movie is like when they're coming back to the house, they'll show an establishing shot, but it'll just be like a plane taking off of a runway because it's that close <laughs> to the airport and you know it's supposed to be like at at the house. It's a hilarious, hilarious joke. Um, I don't know, Stevie, do you want to start? We should probably get into the family. Uh, let's start with the kids because I think, you know, Daryl, the dad, is the heart of the movie and it'll probably, he'll probably eat up the heart of the discussion, but the the love of his family and his love for the family anchors a lot of the of the movie and, and frankly a lot of the storytelling it's just a lot of them being a family who loves each other which of the kids do you want to start with um well my name is Stevie and I believe he had a son named Steve right very mm-hmm. very good point yep um Steve I love Steve <laughs> for the fact that he's constantly looking in I guess you can call him I would just call them trade books, you know, stuff for sale. The trading post. It's almost like, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like Facebook Marketplace today. And the discussions between him and his dad were always so funny, whether it be jousting sticks <laughs> or, you know, it's a certain car or what else was on there. Um, trying to think. There's so many different things he was he was always there's, throwing up. There's one point where the dad's like in the ceiling and I'm, he like asked for his son's help. He's like, okay, I got to tell like the guy about the phone booth well just be just a minute or something like that or i gotta like tell the guy in the phone booth like hold on like they're buying a phone booth or something it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like how much does he want yeah. and he always tell them the price like ah, oh, he's dreaming he's dreaming <laughs> it, i mean there's there's also a great fallback joke with that which i hate to jump ahead too much but when one of the guys comes to threaten the family and the son comes out with a gun and he's like you know how i feel about guns since your brother went to prison and he tells him where he bought it. He's like, "How much? You, uh, how much you buy that for?" He's like, "One eighty. He's like, "Well, how much did uh, he want for it?" He's like, two fifty. I, I just love little <laughs> jokes like that peppered throughout this movie. So yeah, I uh, I like the back and forth between Steve and the dad. Now what the fuck do you think you're doing? You know what I said after Wayne. No more guns in the house. Yeah, but he was threatening you. Where'd you get it? Trading post. And what'd you pay for it? One eighty. What was he asking? 250 he was dreaming yeah get rid of it I, apropos to nothing but the line just popped in my head when they're talking about the house and then and dale the narrator goes uh it's almost worth as much as when we bought it or something <laughs> <laughs> god so many great little lines um but yeah steve like one of the daryl the dad he i mean he's like one of the best dads like he's atticus fitch Finch Fitch. He's a proud man. I was just talking about how I taught to kill a mockingbird. I don't remember Atticus's. Is it Finch or Fitch? Atticus Finch. Finch. Finch? He's like Atticus mm-hmm. Finch level dad, like perfect dad, and he has a way to connect like with each one of his children. Like he mentioned, there's like the trading post. Uh, Dave w- Dale tells us that Tracy is the favorite of the kids. What do you What do you remember about Tracy in this movie? She. Uh... She seems like she might be portrayed as sort of like the social climber of the group, uh, where she, you know, she gets uh, married pretty pretty early on to Eric Bana, um, 
But then she's just like the rest of them, you know. She likes to spend time in Bonnie Dune, going to Bonnie Dune. Bonnie Dune. Sh- you know, she's got the. She brings back the gift. It's like this samurai cutting thing for the dad in like this cheap plastic wrap. And then she she buys the mother a real Rolex, but it's only fifteen dollars. And the guy from the beach will mail them the warranty later. She's just like the rest of them. She is. Um, really just you know she's like supportive like her father but also maybe slightly more aware of how her brothers can be a bit daft uh like when um dale keeps asking about uh what movie they watched on (laughs) on the plane it's twister and um uh jumanji and he's really curious about that (laughs) it's so funny because they're describing like the most asinine details of their trip. Like what were the what were the meals on the plane and like what is beef wellington? And he's asking like equally asinine questions but for some reason they're so mad at him for doing it. Like they're focusing on the wrong minute details of the story. Like the funniest thing. Uh, there's one more kid, uh Wayne. Uh, I'll take him. Um He's a criminal. It's fitting, you know, Australia full of criminals. He's in jail. Um, I, I I say that jokingly though, because the the relationship that the mom and the dad have is very. I mean, we don't see, I guess, the dad with Wayne on screen, but we see it through proxy through Dale talking to him. You get the feeling that there's still a lot of love there, right, Stevie? Oh yeah, I mean. <sighs> I guess it's kind of like the one thing I love about uh, the father, Daryl, in this film is he's constantly filled with love. I mean, he's the man that could honestly, you know, eat a rotten sandwich and still say something nice about that sandwich. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or whoever made that sandwich. That's what's, I guess, that's kind of where the charm comes in in this movie in a lot of ways. Let's just get into him. Uh, what, what, are, what are some of his hobbies? What does he, what does he do? You met, we've, we talked about how loving he is, but... Daryl is a lot like his son, Steve. He's a great ideas man. <laughs> um, Daryl is a man that should tell the people that know how to do certain things, like what to do, what would be a good idea, and not tell them essentially how to do it. Uh, the way he adds on to his house is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? Doesn't build a room level, but he loves that room. Going to the pool room. Um, <laughs> you know, he's trying. He, there's so many unfinished projects throughout the house. It, it's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. He has uh, some dogs. Dave, do you remember any of his greyhounds uh, names? Oh, I don't. All I remember is that only one of them was actually a quality racer. Yeah, that was Coco. Uh, Coco, she, that's right. She has a son, son of Coco, uh, but they're all <laughs> descendants of Red Rocket, uh, which is probably another another joke. I mean, this is like a lot of little jokes that you pick up one or two times through the movie. But the way this movie's paced, Dave, is very interesting because I, I had a note about the 20 minute mark that there's not a ton of conflict. Like we have the man from the county show up who does the land evaluation, but the movie is kind of as we're describing it, where literally the first 20 minutes or so are just the family interacting, you know, showing how much they love each other. Flashbacks of, uh, father's day. Is that, is that one of the things that endears you to this film? Dave Mello? Oh, it's the vibe of the thing. Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) that's just, that's what it's all about. Like you got to set this foundation so that we actually know what they're fighting for and why they actually care about this instead of just, you know, I think a lot of 
um, Bogan families would just take the money and run because they're like, hey, hey, 60K, not bad, not even realizing the implication of that. But these people, mm-hmm. like, it has to make sense why they care about this house so much that they're willing to literally go to the high court filled with these Santa Claus figures to fight for it. <laughs> I'll never get used to the wig. That is like a ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> look. Uh, one more thing I just want to note too, just before we, well, I'll talk about a little bit more of the plot here in a second, but the characters literally never say anything mean to one another. You know what I mean? Like, mm. and you think about like Stevie, we've done so many, bad comedies and one of the things that like we come back to in those is that the main characters are unlikable or jack and jill yeah it's pat <laughs> like yeah it's pat uh, other movies that, that Corey likes uh but <laughs> i don't you know what i mean though stevie it's like you would think in in a story like this there would be some mini arc of maybe like Dale gets mad at his dad or something. You know what I mean? And like bursts, take, goes away from the family and he learns that he does love his family. But in terms of character arcs, I would almost argue, you know, the characters have no arcs. You know what I mean? No one really changes throughout the course of this film. Mm. I mean, I know. Like, would you prefer uh, this movie to have arcs within it? No, no, not it. That is not what I'm oh, saying okay. at all. I, but I, I'm saying that it's a style that, like, I feel like I've seen so many. Like, we've seen so many movies, right, Stevie and Dave? Like, correct. Between the th- too many, probably. between the three of us, like, like literally, you know, thousands and thousands mm. of movies. It be- it becomes cliche at a point, right? That that you know that the character is gonna break up with the band and get back together, or they're gonna have this falling yeah, out with their loved one and get back. To- this movie yeah. does not fall into any of those tropes at all, for its benefit. I think. I think it's really beneficial that like we don't have that because then it just becomes predictable at a certain point. Yeah. Um, kind of like Dave was saying earlier, this movie lays a great foundation about you know all these characters are really likable, even though they could be, you know, a thousand miles apart from what we actually are in real life. They're extremely relatable. And to not have, you know, the brothers fighting with each other, one brother break away and come back at the end to save the day is really to its benefit. It's a film grounded in love. And there is a story, which we'll we'll get into now. I talked about the man from the County, basically, like Dave alluded to, the plot is is that there is a um, privately backed government initiative to acquire land near the Melbourne airport where our family lives to expand to a, a cargo, like additional cargo handling or something <laughs> like that. Um, I don't know, am I missing anything there, Dave, in terms of the, the conflict itself? That's essentially... It, I mean, they do mention um, when <laughs> this isn't really anything to do with the conflict, but they when the first evaluator comes to see uh, what the house could oh be worth, God. and he says, "I don't, I'm not selling, but it's nice to know what we're sitting on here." And Dale says, "Clay." <laughs> <laughs> it's also built on a landfill or something like yeah. that. Yep. What do you know about lead? <laughs> what do you know about lead? <laughs> um, oh, and also the. Uh, um, the two neighbors, uh, Jack and Farouk, are also involved in their houses being t- taken away. There's actually three neighbors. There's 
Avone, who has absolutely no personality other than she has an ex-husband, apparently, oh, yes. which comes up at one point. But yeah, Jack and Farouk. I mean, I don't know. How do we feel about Farouk? Is he is he racist? I, I don't know enough about Australia or Greek people to know if this is racist or like what a wog is. Uh, Stevie, how do you feel about Farouk, the, the ethnic neighbor? Is it loving? Um, I think it's done with love. You know what I mean? I, I'm not. I think to it's call, done with love too. I'm not trying to call this movie out like for that. I literally don't know what a wog means. It sounded racist when he I, said it. Yeah, that's a thing that's lost in translation for me. I don't know uh, some of the words that were said in this movie, but I did like Farouk as a character that was constantly backing Daryl, and even like when he didn't know what was going on, he was still giving the thumbs up. And one of the jokes, I, I mean, it's kind of a joke in its time or of its time. But when Daryl says, you know, dress up for the next court date and he's literally wearing something that you'd probably see at a wedding. I was laughing really hard. In contemporary Australia, the term wog may in certain contexts be viewed as a nickname rather than a pejorative term akin to the nicknames ascribed to Australian English and other significantly cultural groups such as Yanks or Kiwis. So it's actually not racist. It can be a in term of endearment. That's good to know. Um, yeah, that is good to know. Dave, any thoughts on Jack, the old man? Uh, kind of a, the heart of the movie, like I mentioned earlier. Like Whenever you have an old person losing their house to compulsory acquisition, you got to get the heart of the audience behind you. I think... Jack almost serves as like, I feel like Daryl might have given up maybe a little earlier if it wasn't for Jack. He felt like, like his family goes to great lengths to say that, you know, like we're proud of you and you really don't have to try so hard for this. We're going to be happy and content and safe either way. But it's really Jack that he, um, he mentions he's been there in, well, he says he's been there for like three years and he's like, no, in the area. He's like, oh, well, 57 years or whatever it is. And so that's kind of what keeps him going. That's so funny. How long have you been there? Three years? No, no, no. In the area. 57 years? 57 years and they're just kicking you out. Like, he hasn't been in the house for 57 years. Um, Steve, you want to talk about Dennis DeNuno? I'm trying to... There's another major character. The... Are they solicitors in Australia? Is that what they call them, too? I guess they go back and forth. Attorney, solicitor, QC. Talking about... The main QC that saves the day, or no, 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 uh, Dennis? No, Dennis, the the uh, uh, will attorney, uh, the lowest level of attorney, or whatever. <laughs> the Barry Zucker Corn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought this character is really funny just because Daryl had so much confidence in him just because he had the title of lawyer, but he didn't have the actual. I mean, I guess you could say the actual knowledge of you know, the law that he actually needed for constitutional law. And you knew it was just going to be a train wreck from step one. So they went to pretty much what I would consider the Supreme Court of Australia. And he was, he went up there and his argument was, you know, it's the vibe of the whole thing. It's <laughs> it, they're like, well, what precedent, what article, you know, what is it? And he's like, well, it's everything. It's the vibe. Like, I love that. It's the vibe. What section of the Constitution has been breached? Section. What, what section? There is no one section. It's just the vibe of the thing. It's all part of it. 
This is what I'm getting at. That's my point. It's the, it's the vibe of it. Again, it, 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 it's just the vibe of it. In summing up, it's the Constitution, it's Mabo, it's justice, it's law, it's the vibe, and uh, no, that's it, it's the vibe. I rest my case. That was sensational. Favorite quote from this movie, Dave? The vibe? Uh, my favorite, I gotta give the edge to uh, when he they cut to this moment at the the kitchen table and he's like come on come on dale tell him tell him come on dale and dale won't say anything and he's like dale dug a hole (laughs) remember that time i dug a hole and then the mom walks over she's like good on you dale good on you dale and it's just like but that's like even couched in like you know i think they like it's a narration before that it's like the dad found a way to make everyone feel special it's like come on (laughs) tell him tell him i'll tell him he dug a hole (laughs) like the time i dug a hole (laughs) so good uh yeah i mean you know back to the vibe that's like the like when i was looking through other letterbox reviews that definitely seems to be the most referenced quote the vibe um but dave i saw in your uh i don't know if it was your original letterbox review or the updated one you said we're going to bonnie dune which uh you know, in terms of the shape of the story, it's another kind of interesting beat, right? That the, the 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 characters are doing well, they get a little bit of bad news, and then they go to Bonnie Dune, and things are almost even better than they were before, right? What do you what do you remember about Bonnie Dune? How would you describe it? I love. I have this YouTube playlist of my favorite scenes in movies that I'll just like flick on every now and then i'll be like just watch some great moments it's got all the greats you know all the classics but it also has the the the, i just love it so much when he they say that he has this song that he sings whenever they go to bonnie dune oh my god he's just singing we're going to bonnie dune just that's all it is (laughs) over and over again and i have probably said that maybe a hundred times in my life just singing that randomly offhandedly it's so stupid but it's so great <laughs> and then when they actually get to bonnie dune it's this like they're literally the only people there because this is it's like this shit little borough of melbourne <laughs> that nobody wants to go to and they're like you got the land dirt cheap because it's like so undesirable they build this house on it and then when they actually you know they actually seem to have a pretty good time on it you know they go fishing which is uh I think 10% brains, 95% muscle, with the rest just being good luck. Uh, they share some stories, do some kickboxing, and they just have some a great time at the swamp. One of the best parts, they're driving up to Bonnie Dune. Radar, Dad! And he starts to slow down, and he goes, how much did that cost, son? And Steve goes, $70? And the dad goes, paid for itself. It's just paid for itself. <laughs> Did either of you guys ever have a radar detector in your car? Have you ever had that? No. I never did, no. My dad left his in the Honda Civics DV that I used to have. So like literally when I was oh when I was like 16, 17 years old, I had a effing radar detector in my car, which is not not a cool thing. Not a good idea. <laughs> I was no. Tokyo drifting on County Road 20. But um, <laughs> I don't know, but Steve, do you get what I'm or Stevie, you get what I mean by like the weird story beat that is bonnie dune you know what i mean like because like i said you would expect a movie we have like the inciting incident we don't fall right. we don't fall into the conflict at all we spend more time showing the family loving each other which i think is such a great 
choice and a very unique choice to this film. It is out of left field because in a typical movie, I think nowadays or even before, um, you'd see this family or Daryl like, you know, desperately trying to find a way to not have to sell or being forced to move out of their home that they just love. And instead, you're right, it's a really strange beat of going to Bonnie Doon and not having any conflict there. It's, it's like almost like they go to a paradise away from all of their troubles. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but Eric Bana in this movie is hilarious. The story, <laughs> like, his story of being really into kickboxing, I just find hilarious. It's just so out of left field and funny to me. Especially when he's constantly working the bag. I love that. Him working the bag. It's like shades of, like... Napoleon Dynamite level yes. karate, and like Rex Kwando, and like, <laughs> and like the admiration that the dad has for his like son-in-law, like he's so dedicated to sport. Like, look at his passion and all this stuff. Like, it's so, it's so great. Like, we're I, drinking beers, eating steak. That takes discipline. Oh, man, this movie <laughs> made me crave a Victoria Bitter. I'll tell you what, but like, like Bonnie Dune, like I think a great way to describe it too is at one point. Okay, wait, sorry. Quick step back. I'll I'll come back to that point. We haven't mentioned the mom at all. Either you guys have any thoughts on the mom? Potentially an underdeveloped character. She's really capable. Like, the, I mean, it's that, it's that, again, that Daryl having faith in everything that they don't really portray her so much uh, Mm -hmm. as being like an individual kind of person, but mostly just as this like completely accepting extension of Daryl, where he has like, he has faith in absolutely everything like he has faith in this horrible rundown lawyer he has faith in um really just sort of just the idea of that these institutions will support him that right will win and that goes along to um his wife as well where he just has faith that if she wanted to start her own business no matter what kind of business it is no matter what product she would make that she would be good at it she he just completely believes it he um is entirely sincere like Ted Lasso meets Eurovision meets Bluey yes. levels of sincere. He just is just all in on her. And that's kind of, we see it mostly through, we see her mostly through his perspective. Um, it also kind of, it reminded me kind of how, how like um, Mary and It's a Wonderful Life isn't really totally mm-hmm. fleshed out so much as we see her as this extension of George Bailey um, and this uh, person who is just willing to support this person at all costs like they just support each other so much just like george and mary do and just really really wholesome relationship that they have it's a really good parallel and then like you know like the the george and mary story there's uh, we learn about the courtship of i think her name is sally sal and daryl stevie do you remember the story of big bob thompson at all like how they got to how they got together I <laughs> is it just weird stories? It's like somewhat anticlimactic, <laughs> but it kind of shows you where the wife is coming from for the fact that, you know, she's on a date with another man and Daryl comes up to her and asks her for a date or something along those lines. And she said, well, I'm on here with another date. And I forget. Do you guys remember the phrase that she used? It seems like a very Australian phrase. I don't remember. We'll play the clip. He said he wasn't cutting anyone's lunch, and he wished me good night. I'm almost afraid to say what I think it was, but it made me laugh. But 
just the anticlimactic way of, you know, you said, you know, I won't interfere on another guy's girl or, you know, someone with another date. And he goes, and she's like, that's a man with principles. <laughs> like, it's like, that's what got you? <laughs> like, a guy who's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Like, I mean, you can obviously tell it's a very loving relationship. And it makes the movie all the more charming for the fact that something like, you know, he didn't, you know, sweep her off her feet or, you know, win a bar fight, you know, defending her honor or anything. It was just he asked her out on a date and said, oh, my bad, you're taken and walked away. I think that's awesome. (laughs) I know we've already probably played the clip and edited it in post, but I think it doesn't say something like, I don't want to cut your lunch or something like that. I cut another man's lunch or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I love Australians, man. They're so fun. But like, <laughs> anyway, like what I was saying, they're, they're in Bonnie Dune, and at one point, the mom embraces the dad, and she says, give me a kiss, you big hunk of man. And baby, now that I found you, a cover by Alison Krauss, her second appearance on the podcast, big part of the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou podcast. Dave, do you only come on... Po- Wait, no, that, was, that wasn't that was Dave. Who was on the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou podcast? Phil Dylan. That was Dylan. My bad. I did that thing. Uh, <laughs> Alison Krauss, though, on the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou podcast. Um, but the, the film then just cuts to like a panning shot like it's literally just like on like a i don't know like a tripod or something and like spinning in like a 360 degree (laughs) angle of this nasty swamp and like power lines but like this beautiful like like folk music is playing and that is indicative of the castle to me like if you don't like that you don't like the castle but it i should mention too it's an 80 minute movie and there are three court cases uh in this 80 minute (laughs) movie um so real, real quick, the first one, the dad shows up. We talked about that. He says a man summons his cancel- castle. The second one, we mentioned that one too. Uh, it's the vibe of it with Dennis, the attorney. Uh, but the third one, um, well, actually, so let me take his pause there for a minute. After the second one, he meets Lawrence Hamill. We'll come back to him. But this is where Dale is at his lowest. Uh, Stevie, how would you describe sort of lethargic Daryl, not Dale, Daryl here? Um reeling after his court loss with his attorney daryl's not the same man i mean he's not even happy about holes being dug right <laughs> you know he's he's not happy about the trades and more pay phones Do, you know doesn't even ask how much they're going for in, in the constant in the beginning he's c- constantly commenting on his wife's cooking like you know she invented the wheel each time she made a meal and now you know he's not even commenting on that he he's not the same Daryl at all. Mm-hmm. It's very depressive Daryl. And his kind of family comes to him in turn and tries to comfort him. One of my favorites is, uh, what have you guys been calling the stepson? Uh, Eric Bana. Eric Bana. Like I totally lost all faith in the legal system <laughs> when he comes up to him. <laughs> and uh, there's a couple of sweet moments in there, but he says something to the effect of like, I know exactly how the Aborigines feel. Like, this country's got to stop stealing <laughs> other people's land. Um, and at that moment, Lawrence Hamill uh, walks in. Dave, do you, want, do you want to take us kind of through what Lawrence has to offer and sort of into this third, third court case, a dramatic, dramatic conclusion of the castle? Well, Hamill offers actual legal expertise, which is crucial. Uh, you know, Daryl insists, he's like, you know, Dennis tested it. And <laughs> Hamill says, I think we could test it better. And <laughs> so he heads on out there, takes on the, um, 
uh, takes on the, the, the corporate big wigs, uh, all by himself, really. He doesn't really get much help from either Daryl or Dennis, but he doesn't need the help because he is clearly a, a well established and, um, uh, wise lawyer who all kind of feeds back into my, the parallels I see between this and It's a Wonderful Life, where literally just out of the goodness of his heart and the goodness he sees in Daryl is how he's doing. It. He does it pro bono. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just advocates, uh, not only an appeal to pathos to the judge, uh, the judge is, um, but also this appeal also to the legality of it, where he says, you know, you can put a price on the house, going back to the idea of, uh, a, a house versus a home. And, um, he really kind of articulates the vibe of it a lot better, saying that you can put a value on the house, but the home is what they're losing here. And that is going to be, that's just not really tenable here. And so the argument in, in true Frank Capra fashion goes through and it could be dad's words. It could be Mr. Hamill's words or even Dennis's note passing, but they do win. (laughs) The fact that Dennis is there is one of the best parts of this whole (laughs) scene. I love it so much. Stevie, anything stood out to you from that, uh, that third court case? Um, I really like the reinforcement of kind of what Dave was saying. Pretty much, you know, money can't buy all your memories back or a home that someone loves. You know, this is someone's, you know, it's not just a house, it's someone's home. But uh, (laughs) I love Dennis so much for the fact that he's writing, he's looking at, you know, these, I don't know what you call them. I just call them assistant lawyers at this point, you know, writing notes for their, you know, head lawyer. And he writes a note down thinking, you know, this is going to crack it. And he's just like, glass of water, question mark. Like, <laughs> little jokes like that crack me up. He even learned Roman numerals. Yeah. <laughs> There's one part, too, where uh, Daryl gets all riled up and they, they go outside to cool off. And they're talking about the house. And they're like, it's not that bad of a house. And uh, the little lawyer goes, yeah, it's got a good gate, referencing the gate that they stole earlier from the guy. <laughs> <laughs> from the rich guy um but uh, yeah i mean it's it's a very almost you know fairy tale wonderful ending here i i like that it doesn't you know cross over into like i said a, a lesser movie would have wayne like returning as the court case has been won right or like right after the court case yeah. has been won, like at that party or something but the movie has more more strength of that. There's a great scene at the party. Eric Bannon's faith has been totally restored in the legal system. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything. Anything else from this like little final montage that sticks out to to you guys? It's very heartwarming. The fact that Mr. Hamill frequently goes up to Bonnie Dune with them is yes. fantastic. Yeah. At first, he thought it was just out of politeness, but he really <laughs> seemed to enjoy it. They're real friends. <laughs> and the, I love the son of Coco. Uh, I love that Steve. <laughs> gets back with his ex-girlfriend and they get married and three weeks later have a baby. Like it's a very subtle line, like uh, (laughs) uh, clearly a shotgun wedding there. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the castle. Any, anything we neglected to talk about? Any, any final thoughts? Just really, I mean, the whole, like, it's probably like a weird, like American thing to say, but the I the time I spent in Australia was amazing, and the people down there were way nicer to me than like Americans, and not even just like <laughs> not even just like my friends and their families, but like literally like the experience I had interacting with just random people like on a on the excellent public transportation system in Melbourne, or even in like 
the grocery store or just on a walk when I got lost and had no idea how to get directions because I didn't have any Wi-Fi down in Australia, no service for me down there. And the people were just way nicer to me. Like, I just feel like even not having grown up in something like New York or or Chicago, where people are known for just like, like head fo- headstrong focus on whatever they need to do for the day. But even just like in a small town, the, the kindness that I receive here was unparalleled with Australia. So going back into this, where it's literally this, a family of kind Australians, it just made me nostalgic for travel for this great, ex- this amazing continent that I can't wait to go back for, for my friends, for just for just these wholesome vibes of togetherness and, and the vibe of it all. That's that's the thing about Australians, right? It's like you walk into literally any hostel in Europe and there's going to be like three blackout drunk Australians there. I fucking guarantee it. <laughs> Let's uh I'll go ahead and do my yes or no first. Uh Dave, we'll save you for last our our honorary guest and, and again, <laughs> but I should have said this at the top of the podcast. I probably will edit this into the top of the podcast too or edit in a note at the top of the podcast. Goodbye Mellow Brick Road. One of my favorite podcasts. I'm glad you're starting to put out some more content again. I'm, I, I was in a season lull, Dave. I missed, I missed my top ten lists. We're, we are back. You know, we're doing attraction quotes, and season four is coming up soon. I would reckon. Any chance Stevie and I could do like a joint top ten together sometime? I think that Ooh. would be. That's always on the table, and always absolute yes. Like, I mean, I'm more of a yes on that than even I am on the castle. Whoa! Well, save it. Oh. Hold, hold the line there. I'll I'll give mine um, <laughs> first. Uh, yeah. So like when, like Steve said, when you picked this movie, I had no idea what I was getting into, and I and I wondered even more. Being a comedy from the '90s, we've we've spoiled a lot of American comedies from the '90s where the humor doesn't necessarily translate to 2020. And being an Australian comedy, I was you know even more concerned that there might be some like cultural barriers that might not work. But this movie is fucking hilarious it's so funny and it's so smart and i and i know i probably harped on this maybe a little bit too much in the podcast but like and maybe it's just because like that kurt vonnegut video where he does like the shape of stories like was on the front page of reddit like it is like every four years or whatever but the way that the story is structured is so unique and it doesn't feel obligated to fall into tropes of comedies where there's like unnecessarily unnecessary drama inserted and unnecessarily like you know melodramatic relationships between the characters this movie is like a genuine expression of love between the characters it's very much anchored in the dad and the dad's love for his kids and the kids love for his dad but like this is just like a great wholesome movie i mean paddington paddington 2 levels of wholesome for me dave i'm so happy that you picked this i'm so glad that i saw it like i said very (laughs) short runtime 84 minutes could not more strongly recommend uh the castle to to someone uh, any age really i think it's like a great four quadrant movie i think anyone would like this movie hard yes for me uh stevie you next um yeah i'm kind of with you pap i had no idea what i was getting into and then you know, you, you start watching it in five minutes and you're just kind of hooked and really wondering where this is going to go. The actors are great. The story and I guess you could say the vibe, it all, <laughs> vibe of it all is just so charming. Um, it's a really charming movie. It's really funny. It's really heartwarming. You know, I like the Paddington comparisons a lot. I think that's actually perfect. And 
I absolutely love this movie, so it's a definite hard yes for me. And you know me, Pap, I love I love me some nineties films, so this is definitely going in the, the bank of great nineties films to see, so yeah, hard yes for me. Yeah, this is like a legitimate like in my rotation put on like while I'm doing other things because there's just so many funny lines you gotta pick up type movie. Uh last but not least, Dave Wheelwrote, aka Dave Mello, aka the host of one of my favorite podcasts, Goodbye <laughs> Mellow Brick Road. If you like spoilers, if you like Big Dumb Movie, you'll like Goodbye Mellow Brick Road. It's got so many great guests, a great similar dare I say similarly wholesome feel Dave where there's an expression of love on that podcast where it's just the love of your friends and you and it's so it's so heartwarming to listen to but would you please give us a yes or no uh, oh and one other thing a huge thank you to becoming a patron Dave that you didn't have to do that yes. we would have had you on this podcast many many more times whether or not you became a patron but we, I couldn't be more grateful overwhelmed by your generosity but I've been winding up for long enough Dave what do you give the castle on our yes or no scale well, that's probably one of the greatest setups I've ever heard. I mean, being having this podcast compared to uh, the castle is one of the great honors of my life. Just as it is to be here, it's you, you've been very kind and welcoming this whole episode. So I'm very grateful for it. It's going to put me in a, a spiffy mood after uh, doing some doom scrolling about a climate apocalypse. <laughs> we, had to build, we had to build you up before you went back to student teaching and it broke your spirit. So this is your refresher. <laughs> it's like, like if you don't have this reprieve, you know, what are we even... Like, what are we staying alive for at that point? What do we work for, if not for these moments of joy and ebullience? So I'm grateful for it. Um, and, you know, you mentioned uh, you love the 90s. I think this is one of the 25, I think it's on my tw- top 25 movies of the 90s list. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, needless to say. But I will even mention that I have this list on Letterboxd. Um, for straight comedies. Like, I consider, like, Fifty First Dates, like, kind of a rom-com. Night Before is, like, a Christmas comedy. Tower House is, like, kind of a heist. Lady Bird coming of age. Uh, so there's thing- different genres that some of my favorite comedies play in. But in terms of straight, straight comedies, I have Airplane. I have Wet Hot. I have Step Brothers, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and then the castle so great for me, list. in terms of straight comedy i consider it top five all time i'm a hundred percent a yes on the castle it is going to be a favorite movie of mine until the day i die wow what a yes or no well said there you go. <laughs> well said dave um i guess i i, I, t- I talked a little bit about goodbye mellow brick road anything that you want to say about goodbye mellow brick road uh dave just that it's been you know a life raft in this pandemic i feel like i need social interaction with people whom i love and respect and um just enjoy talking to and that has been a mechanism for me to do that and keep in touch with people um across the world i mean down even down to australia they pop on every now and then too and just um making sure that everyone's doing okay that we're all getting through a a time that can be traumatic for a lot of people and it's a good way to check in and make sure that the people I care about are safe and um, relatively happy and it's incredibly entertaining too it's a yes. very funny Thank podcast you. yeah I, I said goodbye Mel Brick Road goodbye Mel Brick Road goodbye Mel Brick Road make sure you <laughs> subscribe to that thank you for listening audience uh, again thank you Dave for becoming a patron if you want to become a patron and request a movie it's patreon.com forward slash uh 
Oh no! What is it? Forward slash DP podcast spoilers. <laughs> I believe. What's so. What's after the four? Is he sure? Oh, spoilers podcast, not podcast. There we go. Patreon.com forward slash spoilers podcast. Thank you for listening. That was spoilers. Special thank you to our patrons, Matt Troll, Brother Brian, Druid King, Nick. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is Podcast Spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. Steve, I can't believe you'd let me say the wrong name of the patron. My bad. (laughs) You queued me up. I I didn't know. (laughs) That was spoilers.